Hello, and welcome to the 21st episode of Inside the Brain Of, where I'll interview a movement specialist to get inside their brain to try to understand how they incorporate neurokinetic therapy into their approach to patient or client management. My name is Eric Nelson. I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and NKT instructor. If you're listening and you are not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Make sure you check out the Inside Your Brain Facebook page and also note that these podcasts are available on iTunes. I'm also excited to note that I just released my first movement lecture on movementlectures.com. It's called uh, Functional uh, Movement, and uh, shifting the paradigm of the title there, of the title there, and if you just do a search for my name, Eric Nelson, uh, it'll come right up, and it basically gives you an idea of what's going on in the world of functional movement. It was initially a webinar I did for uh, the American Chiropractic Association and the Association of New Jersey Chiropractors, and I was asked to turn it into a movement lecture. And it's good for everyone, whether you're a chiropractor or not. And like I said, it just it talks all about different things that are going on, from Gray Cook to Craig Liebenson to Yonda and Levitt and, and Stuart McGill and Charlie Weingroff and, and uh, all kinds of different techniques that kind of jump in there. Talk a little bit about anatomy trains, of course, there are kinetic therapies in there. Uh, but definitely check it out and share it with your friends uh, to check it out as well. I think it's $4.95. You can download it and listen to it on any device. Uh, it was really exciting and, and, and an absolute honor uh, for me to have that opportunity to to, to present in that, uh, in that medium. They have some incredible lectures, so if you have car rides or time uh, to yourself, uh, I highly recommend you downloading some of their some of their things. And they also have um, some videos as well. I know you can download Charlie Weingroff's videos, and I downloaded a, um, a kettlebell instructional um, video from Brett Jones. Uh, there's just some amazing stuff on that website. So movementlectures.com, uh, check it out. Like I said, it was an absolute honor for Larry uh, Draper to ask me to do that, and hopefully uh, it came out pretty good, and hopefully you enjoy it. So please, uh, if you can support me, that would be wonderful. Uh, also, uh, if you are a listener of this podcast, you know that before I get into the interview, I like to throw in a little advice about using NKT or, or something related. Uh, and in fact, like many of you, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm always trying to learn more, whether it's to help my patients or my practice or become a better teacher. Uh, I've talked about getting more organized in my life. Um, you know, one thing I personally strive for is to be a better husband and father. And really, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are, are trying to be, become, you know, I think one of my goals is to be a better person. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about today and address is, is that I know that some people have trouble uh, learning NKT or, or any other technique as well because they get overwhelmed. And I think a big part of that is that they don't have a good system of learning in place. And I've talked previously in, in, in older podcasts about having systems, and I think it's just so important. I read an incredible book called Getting Things Done, uh, and that helped me organize my life uh, in so many different ways, and I refer to that all the time. Well, recently I listened to another good audio book called Making It Stick, The Science of Successful Learning. So I thought tonight I would share with you a couple tips uh, to become a better learner. And interestingly enough, uh, many of these tips are what my wife has been doing since I met her 20 years ago. So I did give her credit when I when I told her I was reading uh, uh, that book, uh, that a lot of these ideas were something that she utilizes. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we study and we try to learn something, many of us, and myself is definitely included in this, we believe that rereading and mass practice, like cramming or single-minded repetition of a new skill is the way to go. We underline, and highlight, and reread until we think we understand something. But believe it or not, studies have actually shown that this is not the best way to learn. And they, talk, they go into more detail in the book about that, so I'll let you look into those studies there. But it was pretty amazing, and it kind of took me off guard. And the authors of the book actually talk about a few proven methods to help you learn and retain information. And some of these methods are retrieval, elaboration, interleaving, 
generation reflection using mnemonics and calibration. So I'm briefly going to talk about each of those, and, and I'll give you some practical NKT application of each of these. So retrieval is bringing something back from memory. When you're attempting to recall an idea, a method, or a technique from memory, you're retrieving. A great example of this is the use of flashcards. They force you to recall an idea from memory, unlike a technique like highlighting when you're not burning anything into your brain. The reason retrieval is so effective is that it strengthens the neural pathways associated with a given concept. So again, if you're learning MKT and you're trying to learn the muscles, for example, it's a great way to just put them on flashcards, and you can, you can group them in a bunch of different ways. Uh, one big way is by their action, you know, maybe what their prime movement is, or what they're a synergist for, or what they're antagonist for, and then you can subgroup them from there. And by studying them, will help you retrieve that memory. Uh, the next one is elaboration, and that's connecting new ideas to what you already know. When you try to put a new idea into your own word, you're elaborating. The more you can explain about the way you learn, your, the way your new learning relates to prior knowledge, the stronger your grasp of new learning will be and the more connections you create will help you remember it later. So, uh, for example, a lot of us utilize some sort of functional assessment, whether it's the FMS or the Selective Functional Movement Assessment is what I use. Um, so, you know, it's a good idea to kind of think about the NKT muscles and how they're utilized in conjunction with the SFMA. So, for example, if I'm going to, I know that I need to bend over and touch my toes, well, now I can think about what muscles are necessary to perform that movement. And by putting that together, that'll help you learn it a little bit and remember it a little bit easier. So, again, taking elaboration is connecting new ideas to what you already know. Interleaving which is an exciting thing, I think, as well, too, and that's basically varying your subjects. When you work on a variety of things at once, you're interleaving. So if you're trying to understand a subject, you're going to learn better if you mix up your examples. Uh, and one thing that I thought was interesting they talked about in the book is um, a baseball hitter. And they, they, had a, they, did, they did studies where they had a hitter just hit fastballs and, you know, throughout uh, batting practice, and he just hit the crap out of the ball. Uh, then they had another batter that was hitting a, a mixture of pitches in batting, in batting practice, you know, curveballs, sliders, uh, fastballs, and he really didn't do that well. Yet consistently, when they put them in the game, the person who did better was, the, was not the person that hit the crap out of the ball just hitting fastballs, but was actually the person who struggled a little bit and hit a little bit out of each different pitch. So pretty interesting concept, interleaving. So NKT, again, bringing it back to that, is a good idea to study different parts of the body. You know, look at the hip, look at hip flexion, and study that for a little while. Then switch it up after a few minutes. Go look at shoulder flexion and see how that is, or shoulder extension. You know, mix it up a little bit is a good way to remember stuff. Generation is another concept, and that is uh, answering before you have an answer. Uh, so when you try to give an answer before it's given to you, you're generating. So a good example of this is if you're trying to figure out what muscle might be compensating for the transversal dominance. So instead of trying to look it up, why don't you just look at the body, and I've talked about this before, and come up with a plan. Okay, transversal dominance, maybe it's going to be the QL, um, maybe it'll be the iliacus, maybe it'll be the multifidus. That's just off the top of my head. Then you can go and look and see what muscles are the synergists, what are the antagonists or the kinetic chains, and that can help you. So coming up with an answer on your own before you know the answer will help you remember it once you get the correct information. A uh, few more here. Uh, reflection is to evaluate what happened. So after you spend time and maybe you're struggling uh, to get a cell at to turn on, maybe you spend a few extra minutes at the end of the day just thinking about what you could have looked at uh, in addition to the things that you already considered. And that's something I do all the time is try to reassess all my patients. Uh, another tool is using uh, mnemonics, and it's basically using a hack to recall. And it, it's really not a learning tool per se, but it'll help you create a mental structure that makes it easier to retrieve what you have learned. 
and you know, David teaches this right in in, in the level one class yeah, in relation to the adductors. Uh, please, babe, love my groin. The Tactinius, the adductor brevis, the adductor longus, the adductor magnus, and the gracilis. Uh, for me, I like to visualize the foot positioning when I'm thinking about those muscles. I know I know that the pectineus is externally rotated all the way out. Uh, the, the brevis is about 45 degrees. Uh, the magnus, I mean, the longus is about 90 degrees. The magnus is about 135, and, and the gracilis is about 180 degrees. So not only just learn, trying to memorize the names, but placing them with some type of spatial uh, entity will help you as well. And lastly, I know I spoke a lot today, but I'm really excited about this information, is calibration. And that is basically knowing what you don't know. So when you get feedback that reveals your ignorance to you, you're calibrated. It's a simple, simply the act of using an objective instrument to clear away illusions and adjust your judgment to better reflect reality. This is necessary since we all suffer from cognitive illusions. We think we understand something when we really don't. So take a quiz or get feedback from your patients or a colleague, and this can really help you identify those blind spots. And this is why, again, I like to use the SFMA um, or some sort of functional assessment with my NKT because I could take a before test, oh, they can't touch their toes. I could do NKT. I could make the corrections. I could give them some exercises. Then I could have them redo the SFMA. If it made a change, I know I'm on the right path. If it didn't, then it's not quite, that's not the right thing. And I need to uh, reflect a little bit to try to figure that out. So there you go. There's some strategies to help you become a better learner. Again, the book, Making It, Make it Stick, uh, I randomly came across it, and it just came out this year, and I, I, I highly recommend it. So, excellent. If you have any questions, as always, you can shoot me a Facebook message or send me an email to CairoRehab at Hotmail.com. Um, but, again, I always appreciate the feedback. Now, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, the reason I started this is because there's so many incredible practitioners from all different professions that utilize this awesome technique. And I was curious how they incorporate NKT into their approach to patient or client management. And I knew that if I was curious, uh, there has to be other people that are too. And in fact, I continuously uh, receive great feedback on each episode. And, uh, you know, I try to make any adjustments that people might have for suggestions. And I try to, um, I try to interview as many people as I possibly can. So, you know, if you have any ideas, feel free to send me uh, a suggestion. I do want to put this out that I, I, I would like to interview uh, a bunch of people from across the sea there, across the ocean. I just got to figure out the logistics because uh, I usually do this at 10.30 p.m. at night, and it's pretty uh, late o over there. So somehow I will figure it out, but there's a couple people right off the top of my head uh, that I really like to interview. Uh, Dave McGettigan and Ralph Cavanaugh and Simon Jones and, of course, Chris Cerillion and Gary Ward. Uh, those guys are, uh, I, I'd love to be able to spend some time talking to them and get inside their brains. But anyways, I'm very excited tonight to talk to uh, a, a chiropractor who uh, utilizes multiple assessments and uh, treatment techniques to help his patients. Uh, in addition, he's also an instructor for NKT. Um, his next class will be coming up in Toronto, and we'll talk a little bit about the date a little bit later. Uh, but I'm excited tonight to get inside the brain of Dr. Brock Easter. Hey, Brock, how's it going? Hi, Eric. It's good. How are you? I am doing well, my friend. Uh, how awesome. are you going up there? <laughs> um, it's good. It's good. It's a little chilly, but it's good. A little chilly. Now, where are you, where are you at exactly? Uh, just outside. So I'm just east of Toronto. I live in Scarborough, but I do practice in Toronto. Oh, nice. I know nothing about geography. I was just looking at a map before we were talking just to get a little oriented, and I really had no idea. <laughs> no, you, you've never been up to Toronto? It's like a it's like a mini New York City. Is it really? Huh. I yeah, like but, and everybody's extremely friendly. And we say A a lot, and our money's really colorful. <laughs> Well, now, now I'm coming. I'm in. Sign me up. Definitely sign me up. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, 
Well, tell me about your background. Um, you know, when, you know, how did you become a chiropractor? Why did you become a chiropractor? Let me get your back, let me get your back story a little bit. Um, I guess we could probably trace it back uh, to when I was, we'll say, eight years old. And I didn't really like to eat my vegetables. My parents always told me if I had my vegetables, I'd grow to be big and strong. So then I obviously had a logical approach to this. And I, I, I was kind of measuring, measuring the, the top of my skin and thinking that everything I ate, I was actually going to grow taller. And then this, this didn't really work out because I wasn't really growing very fast. Uh, so then I, I asked my parents about it, and they told me, you know, you go to the washroom, so you, you get rid of that food. And I was like, no way. So I eat all these different types of food, and it all comes out as essentially the same piece of food because it kind of looked the same all the time. And, uh, and then, you know, that struck the fascination of, you know, what the hell's going on in there? And uh, since then, I had an absolute fascination and uh, almost an obsession with the human body and how it worked. Uh, so that very much drove me down kind of the physical therapy chiropractic pathway. Uh, so I ended up going to university. Oddly enough, uh, I started in the fine arts with a, a minor in uh, physical education. But after about a year of painting and drawing, I kind of had enough of that. Uh, I really liked this when I went, in, when I went into the kinesiology and the uh, exercise physiology and and all that stuff and like I, I absolutely loved it especially anatomy from from there you know went right into chiropractic college I was a huge skeptic of acupuncture and then I had it done on myself and then I was a acupuncture acupuncturist so now I do a little bit of that and uh, always been a big fan of the motor control uh, when I was in university I worked in a a motor control lab I guess who's right across from biomechanics and we were looking at uh, contextual variables and how they affected people with uh, central nervous system disorders and without. And uh, so, kind of right off the bat, I was right into the motor learning, and you know, I carried on into university or sorry, a chiropractic college, which was a, an extremely interesting experience. Uh, you know, having a lot of different chiropractic educators uh, f- from different sides of the coin, you might say. Uh, no, I know and that, what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember, you know, reading anatomy trains and thinking it was just the coolest thing ever. And, you know, mostly because, you know, the colors and the images stimulated me quite a bit. Even though I'm colorblind, I still really like that book. And I always kind of looked for a way to, to apply it. I was a chiropractor. And, uh, you know, role for I kind of got that. And I always had a little bit of that in, in, into my practice. But uh, once I come, came across NKT, you know, uh, there's the, the cliche missing link, right? Exactly. Now, how, how did you come across NKT? Um, it would, uh, a credit goes to Amanda Moore. So Dr. Amanda Moore, she's the other, uh, level three up here in Toronto with us. And, uh, I know you've met her, I think at level three in anatomy and motion, maybe. Uh, uh so I, level one, she took my level one class together. Oh, really? Oh uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We go way back. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in, in chiropractic college, we had these small kind of, uh, tutors with about a dozen people and Amanda Moore was actually leading mine. So she graduated a few years ahead of me. And uh, she was kind of the one person I really connected with in chiropractic college. Uh, you know, you had the very extreme biomechanists and then, you know, the very extreme subluxation-based, I guess. And it was like everybody's on this, or the, the extreme, you know, sports, chiropractic, physiotherapy type. Uh, and then, you know, the supplement pushers that were in the biochemistry world. And then there's Amanda Moore who kind of seemed to take the best of everything. And uh, I really liked her, her approach. So... I ended up shadowing her, and I actually uh, worked with her for a bit. And I remember when she came back from NKT1 seminar, and she was like, it changed everything. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I want to know. I want to know. And uh, so, you know, I, I booked a ticket to New York City a couple days later and took level one for myself and clearly experienced it. Excellent. Excellent. And, and as you said, you've taken level three. I think we took level three together, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Nice, nice. And um, you've you've taught uh, one other one class recently, right? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, in May I taught uh, Montreal. Uh, nice. And how'd that go? Uh, it was amazing. You know, a, a little nerve wracking at first, but a great group of students, um, amazing assistants, and it was an absolute blast. Nice. Yeah, that that first hour or so it. Kind of, 
it could go either way. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, everybody's sitting there and you have the PowerPoint set up and everybody's crossed their arms crossed at, you know, 8 a.m. on Saturday. And, you know, their eyes just say, you know, justify why I am here right now. But uh, with NKT, it's it's pretty easy. You know what I mean. Once you once you get the the lecturing, all that uh, the concept stuff behind, and you actually get the hands on, uh, it went really well. You know, I pulled the assistants aside right at the beginning, and I'm like, okay, everybody's got to feel a neural lock on themselves and on each other, and that's kind of a a big goal for this weekend, because uh, that's what really sold me on NKT. Uh, was when I felt it on myself and when I felt it on somebody else. That's when you're just like, holy smokes! Like, yeah, yeah. What was your when you when you took the class? What was your what were you thinking? Yeah, what was going through your mind when you were there? Man, for, first of all, I took level uh, two and three in New York, but excuse me, I took level one. Uh, David actually came up to Ajax, which was uh, quite east of Toronto at the time, and he was actually Amanda and uh, another right. Leanne who, who brought him up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I was a huge skeptic at first because, you know, I, I guess in my chiropractic education, uh, muscle testing was taught a little bit as like an alternative technique, but it was almost mocked in a way. And it was kind of almost made fun of, which was very unfair to it, but I guess that was just a, the, the structure of how it was introduced into the curriculum. Uh, so I was a huge skeptic from, from that perspective. <laughs> and I remember uh, all the SOAS testing. It was just like everybody had a weak SOAS, right? So I, so I went up to David Weinstock, and I'm like, okay, I don't think anybody can pass this test. It's like nobody can pass a SOAS test unless, you know, you, you do something or proprioceptively touch something. And then he's like, mine worked fine. And then he laid down, and, you know, of course, his worked fine. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I started, I went around, and I tested everybody's SOAS. And it's like, Okay. Some people do have a SOAS, and if they only had one SOAS, they usually only had one QL too, right? And uh, and that's when it started to make sense, and, you know, applying it with the anatomy trains, and then, you know, the level two, which obviously made level one a lot easier. But, yeah. Excellent. 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 And um, so now, what do, you, what do you practice? Do you have your own practice? Do you work for someone else? Uh, what's going on there? Um, so I recently uh, started practicing in kind of the, the upper beaches area of Toronto, which is a, a wonderful area. It's uh, it's amazing there. And I actually got started there uh, through a couple amazing ladies that uh, actually come up to the Toronto study groups. So, you know, uh, as you know, once you take NKT level one, you're almost uh, overwhelmed. And if you're not overwhelmed, you probably weren't paying attention. So uh, the learning curve for me to really apply level one uh, was pretty steep. Uh, at the time, I, I was a fairly new grad, uh, so I wasn't very busy in clinic. I had worked; I was working at a hospital at the time. So I ended up booking like 40-minute slots, and uh, I played with it. And uh, I played for about 15, 20 minutes of muscle testing until I realized, you know, I was draining these people's nervous systems. <laughs> so then I would go back and just do, you know, any other chiropractic or muscle release or uh, whatever other treatments. So uh, the learning curve was pretty tough. So once uh, Kathy Dooley came back uh, to Toronto, I started really sensing that from the students, is that they were just kind of overwhelmed, uh, you know, because if you're not really used to muscle testing, to learn every body part in, in such a short amount of time and then go out to and apply it to, uh, you know, these people in pain, it's pretty tough. So I started these study groups with uh, David's permission. He was kind enough to allow me to get, gather everybody together and just work through them and kind of, and kind of you know, talk about experiences, answer questions, uh, kind of fill in some of the blanks that, uh, that they may have had. And uh, Shannon McEwen, who is a fellow chiropractor, and Jalen Baxter, who is uh, an amazing physiotherapist, uh, they would both come out to the study groups, and they were, uh, they were awesome ladies. And Shannon had recently opened up this practice in the Upper Beaches. So uh, we had spoke and we had talked a bit, and uh, there I am. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. And uh, any other techniques uh, that you utilize in practice, like as far as uh, treatment, like soft tissue stuff? Um, So I've never paid uh, the $2,000 for the ART. So I can't say I'm ART certified but I do something very, very similar to ART. 
Uh, I did take uh, Andrea Spina's functional range release, uh, which does have some overlap, uh, another soft tissue technique. Uh, so I utilize that approach. Uh, I use the SFMA. Uh, I don't use a lot of the breakouts, but that's definitely included in my assessment. Um, I use acupuncture quite a bit. Uh, I took a, a neurofunctional approach to acupuncture up here at uh, McMaster University. Uh, it was an amazing acupuncture program. It was about six weekends. Uh, I took it at the end of my chiropractic schooling in fourth year. And probably in the last four or five months, Anatomy in Motion has uh, taken over a huge role, a huge role in my practice. And going back and forth with NKT and Anatomy in Motion, uh, and I can honestly say I've probably never had so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why don't you tell us how you utilize um, uh, well, first, tell me, tell us a little bit about anatomy and motion, because not everybody knows what 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 it is. So, why don't you tell us about that first, and then tell us about how you um, apply them together? Okay. Well, anatomy and motion would be the the brainchild of Gary Ward, from my understanding. And uh, what I really took away from that course was, you know, we all know feet are important, right? Like we can't deny the foot's on the ground, and uh, everything kind of moves off that. So, uh, what Gary Ward's done is he's broken down gait into uh, certain phases and he's broken down what every joint in the body does in uh, three-dimensional space during every phase of gait which is which is a crazy thought crazy concept to think that every joint moves in the sagittal frontal and transverse plane um, during each phase of gait and uh, if you can really understand what a patient is missing uh, from a movement perspective then you have a much better idea of what they need to do. So a lot of the corrective exercises rely on uh, some of these phases of gait. And if you know what the body should be doing and what the person should be feeling in these phases, uh, and you put them in these phases and they're not feeling what they should, that gives you tons of hints from an NKT perspective as to what's going on. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Have you taken, I'm curious, have you taken DNS at all? I have not taken a DNS. I have a couple good friends who have. So uh, they've run it by me. They've showed me quite a bit from it. So I'm a a little familiar with it. I I do. I recently took the DNS sport class. And, um, you know, one thing that struck me is, you know, they're trying to get you to pretty much maintain abdominal bracing during certain, you know, neurodevelopmental movements, you know, whether it's, you know, in the three-month position, you're on your back, you know, like a tabletop position, you know, moving your arms and legs like a dying bug type of thing, but the key is you have to maintain your abdominal brace. While we were doing that kind of stuff, I really saw a parallel to anatomy and motion because, again, you're trying to go through movements and really access different um, different joint and muscle movements. And I really thought there was a, a, a big correlation between that and DNS. So I, I, I find that pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I guess it all comes back to the central nervous system, right? And it's almost like resetting the central nervous system. So from the DNS approach, uh, you know, taking you through the developmental kinesiology, and through the anatomy of motion, it's uh, showing the body positions that it, it hasn't felt for, you know, X amount of time. And, you know, when, once the body can get back into those positions, the brain says, oh, shit, that's efficient. I'm going to start doing that more than what I was doing before. And uh, that applies no more to me, in, in my opinion, than the foot. You know, playing with wedges and, and playing with the feet in different phases of gait and how that applies higher up has been, uh, and it's mind-blowing. It is pretty amazing stuff. Now, how long do you spend with your patients? Uh, Generally, about a half an hour, 20 minutes to 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, Sometimes I'll go into 40. Uh, It's a really good case-by-case basis. Some patients I actually spend an hour with. Mm -hmm. And uh, it all depends on what that patient needs, what their goals are. Uh, You know, as a chiropractor, some people come to see me for adjustments. And although I just 
you know, I won't adjust probably as much as the chiropractor next to me. Uh, you know, if I adjust the cervical spine, I'm definitely doing NKT on that cervical spine and making sure they at least have the stability. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, sometimes that's peop- that's what people want. That's the, their goal, right? They like their adjustments. They come in, you know, once every couple months, and uh, and that's for them. Uh, but to be honest, in the last few months, I've, I've mostly got the referrals of the tough cases. And uh, the tough cases, these people generally are pretty dedicated. They're getting better, which is awesome. And they're tough, which is awesome, because I very much like the artsy side of things. And uh, so with these people, you know, I'll spend – closer to 40 minutes with them. They always go home with at least a few exercises. Uh, they do their exercises. They come back, and then we see what's changed. And whether it be NKT, uh, anatomy and motion, I'm constantly going back and forth between the two. Uh, we progress and we go from there. Yeah, so why don't you run us through, um, you know, like an initial assessment, um, how you do that when someone comes into your office. T- tell us about that. Um, I guess it all starts when I, when I walk in and I see them and I see if their feet are flat on the floor or if they're up on their forefoot and their heels are up on the floor. Um, are, are they cross-legged? You know, if they're cross-legged, I know their pelvis probably isn't in a great place already. Um, are the elbows on the knees? You know, do they have the core stability or the transverse abdominus to at least keep them upright? Uh, most of them are on their phone, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, so once they come in, uh, we talk for, I have a, a fairly comprehensive intake form, and then we talk to, uh, to elaborate for about 20 minutes on average. Uh, they walk, that's the first thing they do. Uh, from there, I'll look at their feet, I'll, I'll do a couple assessments, uh, mostly from Gary Ward, Anatomy and Motion, uh, then I'll look at their pelvis, uh, I'll, then I'll, so from when I say look at the pelvis, uh, you know, measure in the frontal plane, sagittal plane, and transverse plane, and by measure it with my eyes and my hands, total ballpark, very subjective. Uh, I'll put them through the SFMA. And then sometimes I'll just have them do different movements to see what they can do. For example, uh, sometimes if I'm suspecting an imbalance in the pelvis, I'll have them put their feet right together and try and do a squat. That's kind of like, I guess, a bit of a PRI assessment. Uh, but, you know, depending on how they present, you know, you just kind of make up movements as you go and you see what they can do and what they feel. I think that was a big thing of what anatomy and motion taught me is, you know, when people do, are in certain positions or certain movements, they should feel certain things. And if they don't, that gives you a ton of information as to what they're using and maybe what they have trouble finding. Makes sense. So, uh, for example, if somebody is pushing off, they're propelling themselves forward, uh, I, wanna, I want them to feel an eccentric lengthening on their inner thigh. And, uh, and if they don't feel that, if they feel it on the outer thigh, if they feel it in their QL, now I'm thinking, uh, you know, maybe those structures are doing something that they shouldn't be. So that might be a facilitation in the QL or it might be a facilitation in the TFL. And uh, so then I might lay them down on the table and, and play a little bit with NKT to see that, get them back up, see if anything changes. Nice. And then, uh, and then so you do some soft tissue work right there as well? Uh, yeah, soft tissue and sometimes acupuncture. Uh, I like the electrical acupuncture, to be honest. Uh, whether it be short, high intensity to kind of fatigue a muscle or uh, sometimes just uh, to get a parasympathetic response out of them when people come in. And I'm sure you've had this, Eric, where uh, people will come in and they've just had a fight with uh, their spouse or their boss. And, you know, they're, they're kind of breathing heavily and, you know, you can tell they're a little rattled. And at that point, you're kind of putting aside the MSK and the movement world, and, and you just want them to bring them down a couple notches. So they're a little bit more parasympathetic. So, you know, a, a treatment holds a little bit more because yeah. from my uh, experience and understanding, 
if somebody comes in and they're rattled and their synthetics are just jacked through the roof and you start muscle testing them, uh, they, you can really drain them. And, you know, your readings might not be as accurate as they would be on another given day. And uh, at that point, you're just kind of a hamster on a wheel, a little bit of waste of time. And so you said you use acupuncture in those situations? Yeah. Uh, so you use acupuncture just to tone down the nervous system. Are you, do you do acupuncture at all? I, I don't. In New Jersey, you, you have to be like a licensed acupuncturist. Okay. Unless you're like, unless you're grandfathered in from an old thing. But so unfortunately, no, I'm not. So I don't really know much about it other than when I uh, interviewed Carolyn uh, Morris recently, Watson, Carolyn Watson, and um, she was enlightening me on it. So it's very interesting, but I didn't realize, uh, I guess it makes sense. You can use the, um, the, the different points to stimulate those points to, to get a parasympathetic response. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I listened to the podcast with Carolyn, and that was super cool, the the different meridians that she was using. And I know I spoke to Martin Benjamin on occasion, and he was talking about the meridians and how he's using, you know, points on the right forearm to release a popliteus in the left knee. And, uh, you know, how, how all that is uh, just based on through meridians and channels and, you know, really cool stuff. Uh, I don't use a lot of TCM. But I guess a lot of the approach, you know, it, a lot of overlap in points. Uh, so I don't deal with the meridians per se. Okay. Uh, so but I do use, like to use What it. do you use for the, cal- for the calming stuff then? What, what was, what's your go-to for, is there a go-to for that? Uh, like go-to is in points. Uh, we'll say like a GV20 at the top of the head, uh, LI4 and, and liver 3, uh, GB34 and stomach uh, 36 are probably two of my favorite. Uh, GB34, uh, it's right at kind of level of the fibular head in the peroneals. And if you ever get a facilitated peroneal longus, that is a, a beautiful point to completely release that. Uh, you'll get a beautiful lock on whatever uh, is inhibited by that structure. Uh, stomach 36. Uh, let, me, let, me ask you a quick, let me ask you a quick question, because I I, again, I don't know too much about acupuncture. How long do you keep the needle in? Um, it really depends the purpose. So if I'm going for a muscle release, I'll probably do it, uh, I'll leave the needles in for about 12 to 15 minutes, and I'll probably be coming in with like a few other points. Uh, that is also aiding in the treatment for, you know, that, uh, that patient's picture, we'll say. Interesting. Cool. Pretty neat. Pretty neat stuff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to overlap because, uh, as you know, the Thomas Myers anatomy trains and acupuncture meridians, there's a huge overlap. And I always find it uh, very interesting that some of the most powerful TCM points, like stomach 36, uh, just happens to overlap with, you know, one of the very common trigger points in uh, the tibialis anterior. Um, So so it's been pretty cool kind of thing with, I guess it's dry needling. Uh, I'm not a big fan of putting a needle in and kind of poking around and pecking around. I'm not too sure what the definition of dry needling is. Uh, I guess that's from my understanding, just going in and kind of releasing a trigger point or yeah, I think whatever a, a trigger point is defined as. Uh, so I, I, don't, I won't necessarily do that, but I will use uh, TCM points that uh, you know do overlap with anatomy trains, very anatomy-based acupuncture, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely interesting. Have you ever studied any of Stecco's work? Uh, not a lot, like kind of bits and pieces, just of, uh, a little bit of what people will send me or what they'll reference of them, but, uh, not, not so much yourself. Yeah. No, not, not at all, but I, it sounds like something that might be up your alley with the, um, the different points and fascial points throughout the body. Uh, he's on my reading list, Eric. And to be honest, my reading list is, is, is ridiculously long. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that, man. It's it's tough. That's one thing to try to manage the reading list, uh, without a doubt. It's like I got to open my second like office. It, it, I now have a twenty-five minute ride. Well, at least now you can. Uh, well, on movement lectures, have you ever uh, you know throw a movement lecture on the iPod, right? Yeah. And then you yeah, can listen to that on the way to work, and that at least uh, chops it down a bit. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, that's about the only time to to, to read, and it's really now audio books is, is the greatest thing, or movement lectures are wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. So really, um, most of the learning comes from the patient in front of you, right? Yeah, without a doubt, without it's tremendous, tremendous, and that's what I always say. The answer is right there in front of you. Um, now, what about re? What about rehab background? What is your what's your background in rehab? Taking any classes specifically in that? Or do they teach you that at school? Um, I, I guess a lot of it in school was uh, Stuart McGill and Craig Liebenson. Okay. So uh, the high performance of the, the low back, or uh, like all Stu McGill's, I think he has two two major texts. The first one I got completely through, his most recent one, I uh, haven't got into yet. Um, but Stuart McGill was very, very heavy at the chiropractic college, and you know, right, rightly so. Uh, and also Craig Levinson, so uh, Rehabilitation of the Spine. Uh, that was kind of my Bible from a rehabilitation perspective, my first year or so. Uh, and then once I took NKT, I started using the NKT tests uh, as the homework for the most part. And then eventually you start combining the two. Uh, now, recently I got back from a, a PRI, a Postural Restoration Institute, a pelvis course, and they had some pretty cool ideas from a, from a rehabilitation perspective, a corrective exercise perspective. Uh, so I started integrating that a little bit. And, uh, yeah, kind of all over the place. I really like Eric Cressy. Uh, a lot of concepts from uh, strength training uh, I, I like to apply with patients. And there's a ton of overlap. It's kind of like there's a fence, you know. Like I'll deal with people in pain, and then the trainer takes them once they're out of pain. But in reality, we're dealing with the same body, and we have the same goals. So it's a matter of you know tweaking uh, strength and conditioning exercises uh, so somebody in pain can at least achieve it without pain, of course. So uh, I'm I'm very much all over the place between PRI and obviously anatomy and motion. Mm. A lot of people get corrected for from uh, anatomy and motion. Yeah, there's some great ones there, and now um, that's kind of my next thing that I'm going to start looking back into is all the exercises. The past couple of months have been a little crazy. Uh, I was preparing to teach level two, and I'm teaching some more level ones right now, and now I definitely the next thing I want to revisit is that anatomy of motion because those exercises were pretty amazing, and my patients, the ones that I've used, have really responded pretty well to it. It's, it's really exciting stuff. It's pretty, pretty it, it really changes how... You kind of look at movement and the body. Gary Ward's book, um, What the Foot, not only is it like a most badass title ever, but his five principles of movement, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm totally skeptical. It's like, really? A muscle lengthens before it contracts every time? And then, you know, when you start applying it, you're like, oh, man, there's a, there's a lot of truth to, to what he's saying. And, and just taking those concepts and applying it to – and any rehab setting has been very cool, especially in non-athletes. I think that's kind of been the funnest to see how people respond, just like NKT, you know what I mean? But when their body awareness is not amazing, we'll say, and then uh, you completely change th their awareness of their body and space through like a little NKT and a little anatomy and motion. And, you know, to see these people respond to how light that their body feels after a treatment, it's uh, it's the coolest thing ever. I love what I do. <laughs> it is it is fun. Um, do you have any other courses on your radar that you're going to be taking in the near future? Um, yeah, next year is going to be a busy year. Uh, there's this uh, all, all the word on the street about PDTR on Jose oh, Palomar's yeah. child, and of course uh. I Skyped with Thomas Wells a couple months ago, uh, Amanda Moore and I, to kind of get caught up on some of the, the new level three stuff that was taught in San Francisco that we didn't quite get in New York. And uh, to think that a lot of, you know, how Thomas Wells applies NKT, uh, a lot of it has kind of come from PDTR as well. Um, obviously just makes that course that much more attractive. Uh, so February, I'll, I'll definitely go to the first weekend of PDTR, uh, see how it is, go from there. Uh, I'd really like to make it out for uh, Anatomy Emotion Level 3 and 4. 
But oh yeah, oh yeah. We'll see how it goes. If, if only I could just go away and either learn or teach every weekend. But I know, I know it'd be great. I mean, I know Jamie Francis is uh, doing the PDTR. She's doing, I think they're doing in her class. They're doing eight weekends, and then um, they're going right into there's an intermediate after that as well too. So uh, yeah. And then they're in advance, right? I, probably, I'm sure. But, you know, you got to balance life, uh, paying the bills, having a family. <laughs> it's definitely a little bit challenging to get everything in. Uh, yeah, that, totally. Are you going to make it out to PDTR? I'm going to definitely hit the first one up in Chicago in February. Yep, I will be signing up uh, any day now, yes. Uh, very very cool. about that. Very excited about that. I'm also taking a DNS uh, Sport uh, 2 class. I should be taking that in April. So that's exciting. And I'm trying to organize a couple more Level 1s um, to teach as well because uh, that's always a good time as well. But anyway, enough, cool. about, uh, enough about that stuff. So let's talk a little bit more about some patients. Tell me about um, some interesting cases. Uh, you know how you combined AIM. You just you mentioned working with athletes. Tell 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 us why don't you share with us a case a case study that you have. Working with athletes. Yeah. Something um, interesting. Okay, something interesting. How about a, a a patient who came to see me? She's a she's a 17 year old uh, runner, uh, 800 meter, a, a little bit into the longer distances. Um, with pretty bad mid-back, low-back pain and uh, some pretty severe scoliosis, about an 18-degree angle. Uh, Now, it was 18 degrees about four years ago, and we're not too sure where it is now, and it probably hasn't changed too much. Uh, But functionally, when she came in to see me, um, she's unfortunately, I'm lost for words, I mean, she was a mess. She had been seeing a chiropractor who had been repeatedly adjusting her uh, three days a week for like a year and had created hypermobility within the spine, um, mostly the the lower cervical spine. And uh, using NKT, of course, she came in with her mom and her mom was very, very skeptical because she didn't like chiropractors at all and uh, was in this girl's right external oblique and left psoas facilitated for almost everything in her core. Uh, I kind of went through and, you know, she was having trouble her, uh, holding transverse abdominis, rectus abdominis, um, all the obliques except for her right external oblique and uh, her left uh, internal w- w- was okay. It was a little bit better. But uh, that right external oblique, and you know when you, you find a facilitation, Eric, it's just kind of like boom. They almost kind of put you back a notch. Whereas sometimes, a lot of times we talk about, you know, is that inhibited? Is it a lock? It's kind of on that, hmm, we're kind of going back and forth. We're trying to find something to put dysfunction in the system uh, to kind of clarify whether that's a lock or not. And uh, and when you find a facilitation, almost like it knocks you back a notch. And this is what her external oblique did. Uh, so once she therapy localized that uh, external oblique, everything came on. Uh, it was so cool. So I did a bit of release on uh, her right external oblique, uh, the left psoas muscle, and th- that pretty much made her pass everything, I think, except for like a right rhomboid test, uh, which was uh, related to the C-spine. Uh, but she got right up off the table, and her pains were pretty much gone. Uh, mm-hmm. She was walking a whole lot straighter. Uh, her pelvis had, you know, leveled out extremely uh pretty severely. You know, I'm not saying that the scoliosis was completely strained out or corrected because obviously it wasn't. Uh, but functionally, her body was in a completely different space. And I think uh, at the time, it blew everybody's mind. It blew my mind, it blew her mind, and it blew her mom's mind. And, you know, those are those big juicy NKT case studies that we all like to talk about, right? Uh, so at that point, you know, I'll obviously have a patient for life and I probably got a good dozen patients after that based on referrals because, you know, you get known as uh, the voodoo or the the magic guy who, you know, hold here, can't do it. Touch this, hold here. Now you can do it. 
Uh, so that was probably the coolest athlete case study. Um, I also had a uh, discus thrower, a pretty cool discus thrower with uh, recurrent groin strains. And it was a matter of finding his transverse abdominis, which was in his right SEM and his left QL. And once we released those, got his, uh, his transverse abdominis on, uh, those recurrent kind of groin pulls, those achy, achy groins, uh, were a complete thing of the past, which was uh, pretty cool. Cause, you know, he was hammering side planks on a daily basis with a completely inhibited QL, uh, just completely bracing. And, uh, yeah, those are probably be two of the coolest. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Um, well, why don't you um, – one thing that I think, you know, for you that's kind of pretty neat that really gave you a lot of attention in my mind was your 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 Facebook page, Change the Way You Move. Um, where, did, where did you come up with that idea? Um, to be honest, uh, you kind of look at Perry Nicholson, and he's uh, – he has his stop chasing pain, and that it kind of catches your attention because like, what do you mean stop chasing pain? And uh, it makes you kind of read into it a little bit more. Versus, you know, a lot of colleagues will have their page. Like if you if you maybe find on Facebook, there might still be a page. I think I deleted it, but you never know with the internet. Uh, Rocky's or chiropractic, and you know that's a page that doesn't really end up catching a lot of attention. Uh, but if you create a brand. I feel like people are more interested in a brand and a name than a person. And I don't know why that is, uh, but that's kind of what it, my thoughts on the matter. Uh, but anyway, sometimes once I started learning NKT and once I started applying it, some of these successes were just so cool that I had to share them because, you know, they were really buried in tons and tons of failures which obviously you don't talk about as much. Uh, so when you get those good ones, you, you really want to share it. Uh, so I started sharing it on Facebook, just my personal page or the NKT Scholars page, of course. And I started getting quite a few referrals from it. I'm like, man, this is, a, this is the smartest marketing I've come across. <laughs> so that's when I got into, uh, you know, change the way you move. It, it's pretty blunt. It's kind of my goal with every patient. Uh, anytime I'm talking to patients and they're, you know, why am I not getting better? Why is this like this? Uh, the answer always coming out of my mouth is like, well, you got to change the way you move. And that just got so redundant. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's got to be the name. Uh, so I just created a page called Change the Way You Move. And the idea of what it is and what it still is, is just a, a place for me to kind of pump out some of the case studies, some of the success stories, uh, kind of trying to figure out what, what the audience of the page is exactly. Uh, it's really turned into emphasizing the clinical thought process because uh, I think that's what NKT really helps people to do. Uh, you know, when I started uh, treating as a chiropractor, it was a matter of adjusting tight joints and releasing tight muscles. And it was like, okay, I'm good at this, but why am I doing this? Uh, why is that muscle tight? Why is that joint tight? Um, why does it go back and why am I adjusting the same joint week after week? And, uh, and it was really NKT that kind of created structure uh, as to why these things were happening. And so if somebody came in and they were saying this the week before, it was like, okay, maybe I didn't catch the primary pattern. Maybe there's something else. And that's a much better way to approach things than let me just try and adjust it again. Hopefully things will be different, right? I think that's like the definition of stupidity, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Uh, so the, the clinical thought process was a big thing uh, for, for what NKT provided me with. So it's almost like a learning experience for myself to kind of write out those case studies and you know, review of how I got to where I did with that patient and how this success came about. And uh, from feedback I've gotten from that page, you know, people appreciate that. And I like to throw a couple memes and like some funny stuff in there because, you know, nobody likes to be bombarded on their Facebook page with, you know, redundant, boring stuff, right? Definitely. No, and it's really good, and I highly recommend our listeners uh, take a view on it. 
and um, it, it's really I, I just you definitely post some brilliant stuff, and it, it, it is pretty awesome. So congratulations on the success. I was just checking out. You have over 1,900 likes on that. That's that's pretty amazing for not really promoting it too much. Pretty yeah, cool. well, that that's the other thing. I'm not really selling anything. It's more of just uh, I'm kind of having fun with it, to, to be honest with you. It's like a hobby at this point, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's really, isn't that what we should be striving for, is to make our work our hobbies, right? Enjoy it. Exactly. So, awesome. And uh, an, another way to, to teach, right? I guess, uh, you know, when, when learning NKT, as you were talking about at the beginning of this, it was pretty cool, uh, all the, the books you've been reading about, you know, how we learn and uh, good ways to learn, you know, what's been shown to be a good way to learn versus, uh, you know, highlighting and uh, reading things over and, you know, memorizing text. You know, that that stuff never really worked for me very well. Uh, but I can tell you that since, uh, you know, really struggling through NKT uh, in my own private practice and then obviously taking level two, uh, but now leading these study groups up here in Toronto, uh, that's when I've become much more comfortable with it. Uh, is just kind of going over that and, and explaining it to people. And uh, so I would encourage anybody who's listening here, uh, if you've been to NKT Level 1, uh, you got to certify and you got to go assist another NKT Level 1 because, uh, you know, that weekend you will probably learn more than you did the first weekend because, uh, you know, you're a little bit more comfortable with the material. And when you teach somebody that material, you know, it just becomes – like riding a bike for you, you know? Of course you know. That's, uh, that, that, is, that is the truth, without a doubt. And I agree with your recommendations 100%. And, you know, the, one thing is um, I've noticed the classes I'm, I'm teaching coming up is I'm almost getting too many people that want to be assistants, and that's awesome to have that kind of problem. So um, it, it's definitely a great time for MKT and a great time for people to learn and and, and they need to definitely contact people like like you and, and and you know ask you questions if they have to because uh, you definitely have a lot to offer, especially as being an NKT instructor. Uh, so you know I hope that people do reach out and contact you. So I know that you're going to be teaching. Uh, what is it, November eighth and 9th in Toronto? Is that is that right? Uh, in Montreal. In Montreal, Montreal. Okay, cool, excellent, excellent. Um, any other classes you have coming up that you're going to be teaching, or is that the only one for right now? Uh, that'll, that's the only one right now that I'll be uh, head instructing, but Kathy Dooley is coming up for level one and two, uh, actually, the week, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, she'll be up for level one. And after that, she'll be uh, maybe still here or maybe up again for level two. So I'll definitely be at uh, both of those. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of cool thing, too, is I like to assist anytime I can as well, too. And, 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 and listen to Kathy um, speak is, is awesome because the more you hear, the more you pick up. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant with her anatomy knowledge. So uh, amazing stuff. Well, well, excellent. You have any last words uh, you'd like to um, like to share with us? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure uh uh, speaking with you, I know I enjoyed um, you know meeting you in person and hanging out with you at uh, Anatomy in Motion uh, earlier in the year. It was a, it was it was certainly a blast. We ate some good food, and Jamie's cookies were uh, were awesome. <laughs> Phenomenal. Now you're getting your own private batches, I hear, eh? Oh man, that was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> My kids absolutely <laughs> loved them. Oh, they were phenomenal. So, yes, I'm hoping. You know what? That reminds me. I think she owes me a batch. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay, well, thank you so much for joining uh, for joining me here on Episode 21. Uh, just a couple of last words to wrap up here. Uh, I'll be teaching uh, this weekend in Arizona. Uh, the following weekend in Atlanta, I believe there's still two or three spots available. Uh, up in Seneca Falls near New York Chiropractic College in November, I know we have special student rate, so if you're a student and you want to come, uh, please reach out and contact me, and I can give you some instructions on registering for that, because tomorrow is actually the last day of early registration. Uh, I will be in New Jersey in December. In March, I will be teaching with my good friend, and uh, my last interview person was uh, Noah out in Denver. 
uh, hopefully I'll be teaching in Charlotte and April. We'll put the finishing touches on that. And then possibly, fingers crossed, I'll be in the Netherlands next October. Uh, in September, I should mention, is that we're getting closer to finalizing it, uh, but we will be having the first ever NKT symposium where you will have to be uh, have taken an NKT class and uh, there will be workshops. Uh, there will be workshops for everyone, but then there will also be level-specific workshops. So that's going to be an awesome time. That's going to be out in San Diego. So keep an eye out for uh, some, some news on that in the upcoming future. As always, your feedback is greatly appreciated. So feel free to send me a friend request on Facebook and send me a message. And um, you, know, you can always hit my email, CairoRehab at Hotmail.com. Uh, be sure to like the Inside the Brain Facebook page. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, I, uh, I'm just honored and excited to have uh, a movement lecture. So check out my uh, movement lecture, Functional Movement, Shifting the Paradigm, at movementlectures.com. Uh, thanks for all your support. Uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you next time. Have a great night. <laughs>